This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. The goal of this podcast since day one is to provide the best information on the Vancouver real estate market at no cost to you, the listeners. To that end, we'd like to thank the following sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at markon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at markon.ca or follow them at Instagram at markonhomes. Markon, building for life. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, a very good day on the show today. We have Byron Chard. He is CEO and president of Chard Development Limited. I'm a huge Byron fan. Great episode. I'm a huge Byron fan. I'm a huge (laughs) Chard fan. Anyone in Vancouver who walks up and down Main Street... Yes. Uh, I mean, charts everywhere, but they dominate the Main Street Corridor, basically what, from 3rd through about 8th there. When it was a fringe area. Yes. I mean, this is part of the conversation is how does chart development select their sites? And Byron has a really, really interesting perspective about how he looks at the market. Super exciting. They're also massive in Victoria. They're they're big, huge in Victoria, huge in Vancouver. They're launching a project. This is also the interesting thing about uh, – this is a real positive about being friends with Byron Chard. Nest yes. in Victoria is launching – and uh, if you're interested, the numbers work. The numbers are, are pretty attractive over in Victoria. Right. This area of Victoria is another one of those fringe neighborhoods that are just on the fringe of downtown. If you're interested at all after listening to Byron today, definitely get in touch for sure. Absolutely. But Adam, we do have a couple of massive announcements today. Yeah, huge announcements. Here. So the first one, and I'd say most importantly, you have a retraction. Yes, yes, yeah. I said on a previous episode that- It was, it was last week. Yeah, that Yellowstone <laughs> was Amazon. a combination of, of 
Sopranos and uh, Sopranos sup- meets and Succession. Succession, yeah. And I'd like to retract that. I was one episode deep. It was a really, really good pilot. But what? since then, it's more of uh, Sons of Anarchy on horses. Sons of Anarchy on horses. I'm kind of six, seven episodes deep. Are you? I would almost. Oh, you I would me. almost say elements of General Hospital. In <laughs> Jeez. Oh man, that's high praise. Uh, but honestly, <laughs> it's the- a little. It's kind of gets a little silly, right? It's like one of those shows where I'm trying to remember what else I've watched. Such like a this, good pilot, though. Where you're like, man, there doesn't have to be some like... Like a murder every a, day. A murder every... Seven murders every episode. Like, no, you got to build a character up before you kill him. Yeah, it's uh, it just it's feels still. like the, the level of intensity in that show is kind of ridiculous. So that's that's big announcement that's number one. That's big announcement number one. So if anyone was a thinking about... Uh, but, yeah, maybe before we start referring things uh, on the show, we should uh, watch the second episode. But yeah. uh, second thing is actually a huge, a, a huge announcement. Yeah. Um, the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast with Corey Wright, and and this is the thing: we just it's we, set to launch. We it's set to launch. We went to do some showings. We left the podcast equipment on. <laughs> Next thing we know, Corey's got a podcast. <laughs> the <laughs> Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast. Corey Wright, managing this thing's pa- going to be amazing. Managing broker from William Wright Commercial. All things you ever wanted to know about the commercial real estate world. Launching May fifth, twenty twenty one. This is exciting stuff. Yeah, this is exciting stuff. And what I'll say about the podcast that I'm so excited about about Corey's podcast is that really. This is like a deep dive into all things commercial. He's doing a lot of things where he's kind of looking at the areas, where are the best investments. He's doing a lot of things like we're doing on this show, but from a commercial lens. And what's super exciting for me is that I know a little bit about commercial, but I want to know a lot about well, commercial well, real estate. And so I'm going to be one of the biggest and, fans. And this this is the other exciting thing in my mind is, you know, residential real estate. We started this show back in 2016 talking about what to look for in a property inspection and right. kind of the, the nuts and bolts that in residential, I feel like that's good for about two weeks worth of episodes. And then you kind of move past it and you sure. get bored with that stuff. Sure. The commercial world's a little bit more difficult to figure out. You're suggesting more technical nuts and bolts. I'm saying that he is doing deep dives into the how-tos, how to analyze a deal, like the stuff that, that, you know, even us interviewing him 10 times on the show, I'm still keen to learn more about. So, And Corey will be a great host for a lot of reasons too. Super charismatic guy, really funny guy. So we're super excited to have uh, have Corey's podcast being launched and I can't wait to uh, to listen in. The Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast, May 5th. May 5th, coming soon. And uh, Matt, what else do we got before we jump to our, into our episode with Byron Chart? What else do we have today, Adam? We are sponsored this week by Oakland Realty. This is our brokerage, best brokerage in the city. If you are a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody looking to make a change, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That is oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. You'll meet Michael, Morgan, and the gang. And that VRP 2020 gets you a huge incentive. It does. Absolutely. So definitely reach out. And and also, Matt, I will say, this episode also covers a little bit of Victoria and Vancouver. So we're kind of looking at both markets. Really exciting. And uh, I can't wait to hear this Yeah. Interview. I mean, the teaser, what's the Yale town of Victoria? <laughs> Why? Why always with the Vancouver lens? All right. Well, anyways, uh, Byron Chard, CEO and president of Chard Development Limited. Enjoy. 
Okay, so we're here with Byron Chard, President and CEO of Chard Development Limited. How you doing, Byron? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks so much, Byron, for taking the time today. A lot of people, especially people that walk up and down Main Street, will be familiar with Chard here in Vancouver. <laughs> but uh, can you maybe start by telling us a little bit about yourself and Chard Development? Sure, I'd be pleased to. So Chard Development was started 27 years ago by my father, David. And so he started Chard after he received a pink slip of a development company that he worked for that was starting to go under. And he started Chard for the for a few reasons, but one is he wanted to be his own boss. He definitely always had the entrepreneur spirit. Uh, and number two is he, as the company was going down, he was having to call his vendors to tell them that uh, payment will be coming soon. Even though it's overdue by 60, 90 days, it's coming soon even though he knew it was not coming um, because of the financial <laughs> troubles. So, and, and he, he, uh, he's, I'm never going to do that to anyone again. And so he's, I'm going to control my own destiny. And that is philosophy. We still live by today. Um, the entire team at Chard knows that we pay our bills on time. And that is a reputation we have with our sub trades and consultants that we pay our bills on time. And so it's kind of a philosophy that we still live and, and breathe by. But so Dave created Chard as a fee-for-service company at, at first. And so he built out NEC stores across Canada, as well as Zellers across Canada. And he started his first project individually, actually in Toronto at 99th Spadina. Huh. And so, right, uh, that was on the fringe of Toronto at that time. And now it's in the core of downtown Toronto. Right. Uh, but I would say that is also a philosophy we live by. We, we build on the fringe. The fringe becomes the core. Just like Main Street, when we bought Ellsworth at Main and 7th there, that was seven years ago, we got told that we were crazy to buy that as that was on the fringe. That was a failed developer that we bought that from. And we got told, oh, you won't be able to make your numbers work. And that's one of my favorite projects there at uh, Ellsworth and Eleanor there on Main Street. So it's, that's kind of still core principles that we live by at Chart. From Toronto, Dave bought a parking lot. He loved and still loves parking lots for the reason that the income that they produce to take it through the city process. And that was his first residential project in an urban environment in downtown Victoria. He always believed the baby boomers were coming to Victoria. He was ahead of his time 15 years ago, but we are definitely in the core of it today with doing our 10th residential project in Victoria now. And currently, Chard has 10 active projects on the go. We've finished 1,400 homes. We have another about 1,000 in our pipeline, and about 60% of those are rental. So we really pivoted to rental and below-market housing while still delivering our core residential condos and strata office projects. So Byron, it sounds like a lot has happened in the last 27 years uh, in your family. (laughs) (laughs) We have had a lot of family dinners. (laughs) Matt's good at understatements. Yeah, no kidding. But I'm just thinking like, so in 27 years, you go from, in, in terms of, this is your father, of course, but he goes from working for somebody else to developing a major player, not only in Vancouver, and uh, but also in Victoria in terms of the development community. What was it like growing up in kind of a, a real estate family, but also a family that would have to have been so dedicated to growing a business? And what brought you to real estate? So uh, my thought, so I have two sisters as well. My father 
never forced real estate on any of us. My two sisters are not involved in the business. So one lives in Australia and is a school teacher, and the other one lives in Vancouver and is a, a film producer. And for myself, I was an accountant. So I went through, I went to Western, I went to the Ivy Business School, and then I got my CA with Ernst & Young. And so I entered the business world, but I was still not familiar with where I wanted to go with the business world. And I really didn't get the real estate bug until I worked on real estate files with Ernst & Young. And I lived in Dallas for almost two years uh, during the 08 recession. And I was lucky enough to be put on account of Lehman Brothers had just collapsed. Their real estate funds were sold to this company in Dallas. And I was put on the file to evaluate these assets. And I... I'm so lucky to have had that opportunity and seen the red and the risk of real estate. And that that was a very real environment for me to just learn about the industry, but also gave me the real estate bug. So my father was never, never pursued on us. It was our decision of where we wanted to take our careers. Definitely, though, I learned entrepreneurship from my father growing up. The, the hours, the dedication, the problem solving, the perseverance, but most importantly, the passion. That was through osmosis of family dinners, time away, the family vacations, and he's on the phone. That, that was through osmosis of, of my father. How did, just out of curiosity, Byron, how did David get interested in real estate? Good question. And I, I wish he was on the call for him to tell it himself. But but ultimately, I think it was just him being curious about the industry and kind of fell into it. And then it was just pure drive after that and right. understanding the different dynamics and the complexities of this industry. It's the moving parts, which I think are the most interesting of real estate development. Yeah. It's interesting. It, we've had so many people on the show talk about how they have found real estate and in many cases, people fall into real estate, right? They just, it's almost like they just get the bug and then they're, it's the rest of their life is in real estate. It's always interesting to hear how people, how people get involved. <laughs> There's only one person I've ever heard as a under 10 year old wanting to go into real estate. And I was cleaning out boxes in my storage and my wife had a thing from grade four and she wanted to be a real estate agent, which seems Your like wife. such a weird, yeah, this was like on the weekend. <laughs> I was like, man, and now she hates realtors. But <laughs> one like, I think what, what draws people to real estate is number one, people. This is a people business right. and, and we are building buildings, but we're building homes. And that is what I think draws people to this industry is that we are building places for people and communities for people. And number two is that you're, it's tangible. You can see it, you can feel it. And at the end of the day, after five, seven, 10 years of a project, you get to walk that. You know where every screw is in that building. You know why that wall is there and why it was designed that way. And that's a, a pretty rewarding experience to go through. And I love handing homeowners their keys see their excitement, see that passion, because that's their, now their real estate. That's their investment. Just like we've worked many years to build this investment of a building, now it's transferring to them to build that same relationship to the real estate. And that's an awesome experience. Yeah, that's interesting too, because I, I think it's funny, like just how many relationships there are with the, that real estate. Like we often talk about particularly the development community, how they're leaving their mark, all the companies are leaving their, their various marks on the province or in the cities. 
through design and shaping the skylines. But then, yeah, when you hand over the keys, now everybody for the remainder of their life when they drive by, even if they don't live there currently, when they drive by that building, they'll tell a story yeah, about how, you know, we, we, used to own, <laughs> we used to own a one-bedroom in this <laughs> building to their kids. Or exactly. You were, you were raised yeah. in, this, you know, in this unit for a few years when you were a kid or whatever, right? Real estate creates a story and like that. And that's what it is the human interaction. And really, that's what I would say drives so much. I always think my team is like sick of me saying it, but like I always say that we build homes and we create jobs. That is the core of what we do. And it's from both sides of it, from the creating the jobs to the building of those homes. That is what our mission is. So Byron, Chard's unique, I guess, in thinking of developers who have been on this show because you're very active in Vancouver, but you're also very active in in Victoria as well. Can you talk about the similarities and differences in those markets and, and where you see the overlap? They are very different places to work, but just like the city of Vancouver is very different than the city of North Vancouver. It's just in, in general, whenever someone asks me, what is your opinion of the Vancouver real estate market, I say, I always start with, well, let's, we have to break this down between with neighborhood and product type. And it is so distinct on the different attributes, the different neighborhoods, and, and again, the product types between them. But I think the big difference with Victoria is the culture of the island culture is very different than the Vancouver culture. And with working in Toronto for a few years there, I, I always like, Vancouver is a breath from Toronto. Victoria is a breath from Vancouver. And with the way of life and the culture and the way you go about your business, Victoria is a small town. Everyone knows everyone. You do not create any, any enemies in Victoria. Vancouver is a bigger city. Not saying that we like to create enemies, <laughs> but <laughs> it's, a, it's, a different, it's a different city here. There are a lot more players. It's a lot more competitive. And how do you stand out? And like I'm one thing I'm really proud of, and we've even done it in Vancouver on Ellsworth and Eleanor on Main Street, is that we have 20 to 30% of our buyers repeat buyers in almost every building. And they just keep investing in us. And then one of the reasons is our quality control program is, I think, one of the best in the industry is when we finish Yates on Yates and Victoria in the fall, uh, we, we achieved less than two deficiencies a unit when homeowners went through. Wow. We had close to half of our homeowners not find a single deficiency in their unit when they did their inspections. That's incredible. And, and that we put so much passion into that handover because you're excited to walk into those doors and we want you just as excited when you're walking out of those doors before you get your keys. And so it's creating that experience of you're, you're not a charred customer until we hand you that key. You're always a charred customer. And so it's, that being a key attribute for us on chart. I went off tangent there between Vancouver and Victoria, but... Uh. <laughs> no, but you know, you bring, you bring up an interesting point because one of the first things you said is that the company has kind of centered around this idea that we pay people on time. And I think you're really highlighting one of the real connections of if you pay people on time, you get access. I'm sure your, your sub-trades show up for you, <laughs> yeah, um, which, which results in few deficiencies, usually typically probably at, at walkthrough, right? It's kind of the golden rule. You you treat people the way you want to be treated. Every day we have to act with integrity of how we go about our business. If we sign a contract, yes, we of course we make sure that all of our contracts are strong. <laughs> Doesn't matter who we deal with. However, 
that contract should go in your bottom drawer. Any issues, any discussions, we should be able to resolve face-to-face and get to the bottom of it. Uh, That's kind of our philosophy of that contract should go to the bottom drawer. It's more about the relationship and the people. Again, going back to the, the people is what we, who we work for and who we love to work with. So, you know, a few things about Victoria struck me um, from what you've said so far. Like one, it sounds like your chard was interested in Victoria because they saw it as basically a place where people will want to move at kind of later stage in life where boomers are moving, retirement community, that type of thing. It sounds like the, it's less competitive over there. Like, can you talk a little bit more about what attracted you and chard to Victoria? Absolutely. The, the, Victoria has definitely become a lot more competitive over the last five years. It, it's on the map. And we're seeing that with immigration trends. And I, I think a really interesting immigration trend, especially over the last year that we've seen during COVID, is the net domestic immigration to Victoria is what drives that market. Uh, they do not get a lot of immigration outside of Canada. It's mostly a lot of people coming from other provinces, enjoying that mild weather, less rain, and a very walkable and outdoor environment is what drives people to Victoria. So those domestic and kind of demographics there, I think I find it really interesting. And that's what's going to keep us building on the island is the people who are moving there. I do think that baby boomer trend is definitely picking up these days for the island. But the other one that's picking up a lot is the tech industry. So government, tech, and tourism are the three biggest industries on the island. And what we are seeing is a significant increase in younger individuals, especially renting downtown Victoria. And so a lot of our investors who have bought in our properties for one bedrooms, they're renting out at really strong rates. They're just below 2000 a month for a one bedroom. And that's what attracts so many to Victoria is you can buy a one bedroom in the 400,000 range uh, in downtown Victoria and you're renting it out at close to 2000 a month. It's around 1800 or so. So like that's what's driving people to the island is it has a really strong economy and it's a very stable economy, especially with the government there. So it's a really interesting dynamic of Victoria. Right. And and it's interesting, the idea of the, you know, migration patterns being domestic when it comes to thinking about people moving to Victoria. A past guest, Rick Hugendorn, who's operated in that market for a long time, uh, always pointed out, and I'm sure he still does, <laughs> I haven't spoken to him for a while, but he's he's always looking at the gaps between in pricing between Vancouver and Victoria. And when they get too far apart, you know, that's when there's a, a flow from the mainland to Victoria in large part because there's so many of those solid kind of government jobs and, and teachers and nurses and and that type of thing. Is that is that one of the ways you see the two markets related? Yeah, I do. And I, I also look at, like, would you rather? Would you rather purchase at the same price in Surrey or Victoria? Would you rather in Coquitlam or Victoria? Like, it's you can also compare it, and then it's what are the rental rates for Surrey versus Victoria? I always love to play the game of where would you rather live? And just, okay, where do we where do we compare to other cities or different places? And But I completely agree with that gap. And it's also where... Where have you seen more growth as well? And where do you see more future growth for price increases? And I'm a true believer in urban environments. 
yes, I do. COVID has shaken urban cores. Uh, there's no question about that. However, I am a true believer of that humans like interaction. Humans like to be have access at the fingertips to amenities, to lifestyle. And I do think we are going to start to see a shift, especially as single-family home prices continue to escalate. As townhomes continue to escalate, condos are going to come back to look at, that's not a bad deal to live downtown, no commute, no cost. Uh, and that's where that equilibrium is going to come back and continue to drive people to those to the cores. Right, right. This might be a difficult question for you, considering that Chard does so much in, in both of these cities, but where are you more excited about currently, Victoria or Vancouver? That's like asking, who's my favorite child? Um, <laughs> that was our next question. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so that, that's a challenging one. Each have their own positives and negatives. Like right now, we are launching a project in Victoria. It's called The Nest. And then in a few months, we're going to be launching a project called Haven, which is an affordable condo in Victoria. And I'd say one of the reasons why I'm quite excited about those projects is that, again, we're on the fringe of downtown. We're on Cook Street, nestled in between downtown and Fairfield. So we're kind of we're in that neighborhood, but core area. And so I'm really excited for this project. For the pure reason of location. I think we've designed a lot of outdoor spaces. I think our low, small patio is approximately 100 square feet. Uh, and we have terraces. Some of our uh, larger two and three bedrooms have terraces at 700 square feet. So outdoor space is definitely what we've designed to. But I'm excited for the product that we are building. Uh, I, I think Chart is really well positioned uh, in Vancouver and Victoria for what we do. We don't build in downtown Vancouver, for example. We build on Fringe, Main Street, Mount Pleasant. That's our bread and butter. And I, I feel really strongly about those markets because that's where people want to be still. So can you talk a little bit about this area in Victoria, Byron? So is that close to the Yates on Yates project? And would you compare it to like a Mount Pleasant in Victoria? Yeah, I would. So Yates on Yates, uh, which we then finished in late 2020 is located in the heart of downtown. That is a half a block away from BC Ferry's head office, for example. Like that's in the core of downtown Victoria. The project called Nest is located about three blocks east of that on Cook Street. And Cook Street, Cook Street Village, I think is one of the coolest neighborhoods in Victoria and Definitely were some of the best restaurants and coffee shops that you like to go and hang out in in your evening on a patio. And so you can walk down the street to that community. You're also walking distance, though, to parks, to schools, to all those amenities, those outdoor lifestyle amenities, which I think COVID has really heightened that aspect of all of our lives to have that release in close to our homes. So these are large projects you guys are doing on Cook Street. Can we talk a little bit about, I'm just trying to put it in a, in a, a context that, that makes sense, I guess, uh, for myself. But I know there's kind of a NIMBY culture in Victoria. In terms of how Victoria's building out, like how does this fit? Is there a lot more development coming? Is there a lot of development coming closer to the core? 
or can you speak a little bit about that culture and, and, and kind of the where Victoria is heading? Absolutely. And one of the issues in Victoria is the lack of supply that is coming. About two years ago, the, the municipal government put in place what's called the inclusionary housing policy. And that is so for any residential property that's exceeding OCP, that's more than 60 units, will most likely have to have a percentage of their units at below market rent. And so the philosophy behind the, the policy I fully support. However, the execution of it is where I have concerns because it is putting a stranglehold on the supply. And so there is a lack of new condos that have been approved that will be coming to market for Victoria in the coming year or two. If you look at the amount of permits that are in the city of Victoria, there's not that many. Um, and so for us on Cook Street, Cooking Yates, we are located in the transition of high rise on the west to low rise on the east. So we're a 12-story building. However, we you then stagger down to six and four. And so we are on that transition out of downtown into that single family neighborhood. That makes sense. Right. So it sounds like in my mind, Victoria suffers from a lot of the similar issues that Vancouver suffers from, right? Like just a, just a, an expensive building environment, a challenging building environment, one in which there's a lack of supply coupled with increasing migration. This seems like a good market to be in. It's, I, I always like to joke, it's a challenging municipal environment. One of the reasons why I have a job is because of how challenging municipalities make it to get approval. So, yes, Victoria, Metro Vancouver has so many similarities. Construction costs are more expensive on the island. They're about 10 to 15% more just due to getting material uh, labor over to the island. And so that is one aspect is that construction costs are slightly higher. But from an approval standpoint, from the livability and from the economy behind the market, and the city, yeah, there's a lot of similarities. And it's I truly believe in Victoria. Uh, we are continuing to buy more properties there and invest in downtown and the city of Victoria because it's a part of BC that we truly love and, and do believe in. Fantastic. Well, maybe maybe uh, changing gears a bit and looking at Vancouver. So obviously we've talked a little bit about Mount Pleasant in kind of keeping in mind the uh, the developing in the fringe or on the fringe, where are you excited about in Vancouver? So we have, as you are aware, where Mount Pleasant has been a core component of a lot of our properties. We've done two strata office projects in Mount Pleasant, two residential. And so when we are continuing to look, Mount Pleasant is not in the fringe anymore, in my opinion. That is a neighborhood with a soul and a heart now. Right. And it, it always has been, but I think it's just, it's matured over the last five years. And I, I think one of the interesting stats I'd love to share about our Strata office projects, which I think is fascinating in Mount Pleasant, is that not-for-profits have been our largest buyer in those buildings. I, I just think it's a fascinating statistic and then one that has lots of dynamics to it. But we see the next opportunity. City of Vancouver is challenging to work in. Uh, I know a lot of developers who don't like to work in the city of Vancouver. With that said, though, I still strongly believe in the city of Vancouver and the different neighborhoods. So we've invested heavily in the Marple neighborhood. I think that has a long ways to go still 
to mature, to continue to develop its livability. So right now we're in for rezoning at 62 Southwest Marine Drive for quite a large rental building. Uh, so we're 573 units with 20% below market and a u- really unique partnership with the YWCA. And this would be our second partnership with them to deliver, to provide them 28 homes for them to operate to vulnerable single-led female parents. And so it's, I get my excitement and adrenaline from unique financial structures to deliver a diversity of housing. I love it. I don't know what it is. Uh, putting, putting, putting together these deals, they're challenging, but it is so rewarding. Anyone can build a, a high-end luxury condo, in my opinion, on a simple piece of land. But to put something together where you can offer below market um, housing into your pr- project and work and put the trust in these with not-for-profits, it is so rewarding and it's so fun. And it, and it sounds like, I mean, that it's a rental building, but kind of continuing charts, kind of one of the core philosophies of more on the fringe, right? Like Marple is uh, an area apart from right around the SkyTrain there that we don't talk all that much about. Agreed. I would put it on the fringe. And I, like, I, I put it as a suburb in the city of Vancouver, how ironic that sounds. Mm-hmm. But it is, it is on the outskirts of the city of Vancouver. It's right on rapid transit. Fantastic views, especially if you like to watch airplanes when they start to land again on a continuous basis at YBR. Right. But it's like, and, but what we look at when we design a building is what does the community need? We talk to a lot of different groups. And I think there's like a really interesting one from Marple that I've heard from a few different community groups is that they've been losing a lot of doctor offices. They don't have the same medical offices from a variety of uses that they used to. And same with daycare. So how can we respond and design buildings that the community needs, wants, uh, and continue to allow those areas to mature. And just like what we did at Ellsworth, where Como is located there on the corner, a fantastic tapas restaurant, we designed those spaces uh, with very thoughtful commercial. Uh, I like to call it destination or community-serving retail. and Because it's so important to the building and the community of of how you create your retail and also how do you create your retail to be amenity to your residential. We spend more time on the ground plane than anywhere else in the building because of that pedestrian experience. So maybe uh, in thinking, Byron, about some of our listeners who are kind of the mom and pop investors who are kind of trying to analyze the market and, and thinking about which regions they'd like to invest in, what would you buy if you were looking at a single investment property in the lower mainland? Or, or the island. Or the island. Let's just yeah. say BC-wide. I think number one is you have to look at long-term. When you buy a pre-sale, you are looking at long-term trends for three, five years out, whenever it's going to be complete. Where is a strong economy and strong building? And also, where what is the supply coming down? Uh, there are some SkyTrain stations, in my opinion, have a lot of supply coming down in the near future. And so how are those areas going to respond when a lot of that supply comes to market? I think that's a key aspect to look at when looking at a pre-sale or an investment property is what is the supply dynamic? Yes, you have to balance the maturity of that neighborhood and and an early investor versus, I'll say, a mid or a long range. Uh, If you're coming in and there's already been five pre-sales in that area, for example, is it 
has the price escalation already been taken into account of the maturity of that neighborhood? So I think that, and number two is what is the downside? I think you need to look at what is the economy that is supporting that rental home if it's an investment property around. And that's why I love Victoria. We have seen such a steady historical low vacancy rate, historically uh, steady increase in rental rates and a strong migration, which has been proven over COVID that you don't need immigration outside of Canada. Canada itself will service Victoria uh, with the net domestic immigration. So I'm biased. I love the island. And I think it's a really strong investment opportunity of where the mom and pops should explore because of the really strong rental rate. And one bedrooms, for example, are priced less than half a million there. And so it's it's a great you you get a return on your capital during your whole period. And is there like are you thinking downtown Victoria or is there a sub market in Victoria that you're that you're most excited about for that? Asking for a friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really do like the areas around the downtown core. And so you can walk downtown. You can, it's kind of, it is that fringe. I love fringe because of the land base in downtown areas are scarce. It's going to move out still. So I love fringe areas for investment opportunities. And because normally on the fringe, it does mean you're going to get views as well uh, because of, Heights vary on the fringe, and so there's great view opportunities compared to being right downtown, uh, where unless you're in the a high-rise building and on one of the upper floors, you might not get the same view opportunity. And if you're so, just thinking about your your comments uh, surrounding pre-sale specifically and and supply being aware of what's coming down the line, where the neighborhood sits. What are your thoughts on on the market for the balance of 2021? And, and how do you think the real estate market's going to perform? Or what are you guys projecting in the next kind of three to five years for the markets here in Vancouver and, and also on the island? So I'll touch on, as I mentioned earlier, I think it's hard to the market in general. And I'm not a single family home or townhome expert by any means. So I don't want to touch on that market too much you both of you know both of you know a lot more about that than i do but i do for the condo market i i am quite bullish and optimistic in both cities when we have amazon looking to complete a, a million square feet of office space uh, in 2023 they have a lot of individuals migrating into vancouver to occupy those suites. And I'm seeing it in our rental building that we're leasing up in North Vancouver right now, where we have a lot of Amazon employees uh, leasing. Um, and so those, and it's really interesting talking to them of what are they looking for? Uh, what do they like to see? And they love turnkey. They love being in a condo because that's where they're used to in their different uh, metropolitan cities that they're coming from. So I'm quite bullish on condo once, especially once immigration opens up again. I do believe that Single-family homes, the increase that we're seeing in those markets are going to drive the desire back to condos uh, for so many people. And I think that is one dynamic here. I think the other dynamic that um, I think is really interesting is that we are seeing the Vancouver and Victoria real estate market are strong by themselves. Obviously, a year ago, uh, CMHC was just talking about a decrease in pricing, no immigration coming in. It was a bit of a doomsday of looking at can the Vancouver market actually support itself. And I think it's what we've seen is absolutely it can. 
Immigration has not been driving our market like we think it has been. In the history of Chard, we have only ever sold four units to someone who's not a Canadian citizen. Wow. Oh, that is it kind is, of incredible, we, actually. Yeah, no, and we, like, for Ellsworth, Eleanor, we sold 90% of our buildings to people who lived at five-kilometer range of our site. That's just who is attracted to our product, and we have a very intentional marketing campaign for those type of individuals. It's, it's just who we are as Chard. So I think it's really interesting from that side of, and that's where I think the trends are going to go. And supply is continuing to be squeezed. There's not a lot of supply coming for the amount of immigration that's going to be required to keep our economy moving uh, in the years to come. So I think those are a couple really interesting dynamics. The other one I think that will be interesting to watch is the rental industry. Uh, yes, there's a lot of rental being approved or proposed. How many get built? That needs to be discussed more. How many actually go into the ground? Because getting equity to build a rental is very different than getting equity as a developer to build a condo. Typically for a condo, we need 15%, 10 to 15% equity sometimes. And for a rental though, you need 30 to 40% equity to build that. And so who are the developers? Are they just pivoting to get the approval in place for rental? And why I bring this up is we need to look at how many shovels are in the ground for how many homes are getting built, not just approved. Because we need homes, not just a rubber stamp on drawings to actually service the demand. Interesting. So to challenge any way you slice it here, it sounds like there's going to be supply constraints that are forevermore in the British Columbia real estate market. It's forever going to give me a job. <laughs> I, so I, but no, I joke, but it, it is a, it's a true concern. But it's also, there's no easy sites anymore. Right. We are in, a, like land is a constraint in Metro Vancouver and Victoria. And there are sites have a lot of hair on them. And so who can solve these sites? Who can navigate the community, the city process, but also the construction process and make that project economically viable because they are challenging. They are fun, but they're challenging. Right, right. How does Chard analyze risk and what are the biggest risks currently facing our market in your opinion? So I would say we analyze risk through a variety of lenses. I have a fantastic team who executes to the highest standards here. Like I'm really proud of how our team executes and part of my job helping manage them and managing as a uh, the capital that we also manage is looking at long-term risks. And so we try to mitigate risks as much as we can and with different programs, different financing strategies, different hedges, a really easy one to share. In Victoria for Yates on Yates, we sold that in 2017, and as we were unsure of where the market was going to go, I'll put it. And so, okay, the market started shifting in Vancouver. Victoria remained very steady, but it was sometimes the Victoria market trails Vancouver. So we were a little nervous. And so what I put into place was called, we call it the Homeowner Equity Program. So purchases in Victoria in our properties only a 15% deposit. However, we offered all of our purchasers, if you would like to, increase your deposit by 5% up to 20%. And we will actually pay you a 7% return on that extra 5%. And it would be on your statement of adjustments, decrease off your purchase price. And what this did, number one, it mitigated our closing risk. 
it gave us comfort that that purchaser is going to be there. Two, it gave a return to our homeowner. And it didn't actually cost us that much money because of that deposit sitting in our trust account. We're earning money off that. I can use it in our instead of construction financing. So I actually decrease that risk or that cost in our performa. And so kind of I, I share that from a strategic side of mitigating our closing risk on a project. I'm a financial guy. I put in different financial metrics to mitigate our overall financial risk of our projects. One, to protect my partners, my lenders, but also to protect our homeowners to make sure we deliver uh, what we've promised. And so that's where I try to proactively put in programs to mitigate those forward risks. Fantastic. Maybe one more question for you, Byron. We've taken up a lot of your time here. You know, Chart has been in started, you know, it's a it's a Vancouver-based company, but as you mentioned, the first project was in Toronto. You're very active in Victoria, very active in in Vancouver. Are there other markets in BC that you're excited about or that you might be moving in on? We have definitely poked in a lot of different cities. But with that said, one thing I've learned with COVID is we know what we do really well. We build in urban environments, if it's rental, if it's condo, if it's strata office, and, and we've also explored hotels in those environments. But we know these cities, municipalities, individuals really well. And I'm not looking to move away from our core competency. So we are looking to explore in other municipalities here in Metro Vancouver, but I'm not looking to go into the townhome, into this single family home or type of market. We've poked in some smaller communities, not in the core capital regional area or Metro Vancouver. But at the end of the day, I've digested those opportunities. and it's, It's not who we are as a company. I'm going to focus and make sure we continue to execute and deliver like we always have over our 27 years and not stretch ourselves too thin. I would rather do less is more, I'll put it that way, and and make sure I support our team from those type of properties and projects. Well, maybe we'll leave it there, Byron, but we do have the five wire, five quick questions about... Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. We were hoping to do the Vancouver and Victoria edition with you just because I know you know both markets so well. Can you stick around for that? Absolutely. Okay, so question number one, what is your favorite neighborhood? And maybe we can do Vancouver and Victoria. Mount Pleasant. That's uh, obviously, I, I love going to brewery tours around, uh, checking the, the different uh, small restaurants and uh, different stores in Mount Pleasant. You can't beat it. And the views. I love the views of looking back into the mountains and you see downtown. I think those are some of the best views of the city. For sure. Right on. Favorite bar or restaurant? So I'm a morning person. So I'm, I'm going to take the, the more of the cafe approach, I'll say, but I, I would say small victory. You can't beat a small victory croissant. Uh, they're fantastic. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I'm seeing a trend with successful people in the development community being morning people on the show. That's, that's for sure. Just successful people in general. <laughs> anyway, small victory is great. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. (laughs) (laughs) What is one book that you'd recommend uh, our listeners uh, check out? Um, One that I found really interesting, especially for the business. I read this one over Christmas. It was called Next by Daryl 
Bricker, I believe. Um, and so it was about demographic trends and like a long-term trend in Canada. The one negative about it is it was pre-COVID. I would love to know if the thoughts about demographic trends in general are changing after COVID. But I thought it was fascinating kind of, I think the one thing that I took away from the book was his comment of, though, baby boomers are going to sell the single family home and move to condos. And it was maybe not as quick as we all think. But it was it was a really interesting book of just trends and history of Canada because I'm one to really lean on experience and history uh, to make sure we don't repeat uh, or and to learn from it. Right, right on. One piece of advice you would give your 18 year old self: say yes to opportunities. It might be more work. Uh, you might not know what you're getting yourself into, but you're going to learn from it. And so, if you say yes to those different opportunities, uh, you're going to grow and learn and it's better to make mistakes at that age. And so just say yes, because you don't know till you try. You know, the the weird thing about life is you never know how much recovery time you have when you're young. That's, that's, that's the downside. (laughs) You've got recovery time. If you're young, take chances. Um, Maybe as a final question, what is something that you have bought in the last year or two for under a thousand dollars? that has had a positive impact on your life? Good question. Well, other than probably kid and ace work pants uh, compared to wearing a normal suit, uh, that's been really a nice change. Um, ah. But I would say one thing I do really enjoy is I, I've got a sonus move. Um, and so as you can take music on the go if you go to a park or outside or anything. It's just, it's a, it's a really great, great quality sound and it's kind of one to when you get outdoors or go and have a picnic or play outside in the park it's it's awesome to just bring with you sonos move that's interesting i think i saw one of those uh, i was at cyprus the other day and a guy had a speaker on his jacket and he's blurring music on the hill uh and and the quality was good i was wondering what it was it's probably i won't be the one riding around with loud music but it's nice just to have that (laughs) ambiance i think i once admitted on the show that i often have my phone i'm the guy with the music playing for my phone yeah matt's got his phone in a cup uh but you know i i live on uh on a bike road and man everybody now it used to be that you'd only see people usually listening to like hip hop or whatever right like but it was younger people I saw a woman the other day in her mid 40s cycling listening to like Celine Dion <laughs> this is it's yeah. it's a new it's, it's a, a new, new level I, I don't understand what, what happened to headphones but uh, anyway <laughs> It's like I like I like music too, but like uh, that was the thing on the ski hill. Like, there's we're literally in the line for the chair, and this guy is like blaring a very specific type of music, and I'm thinking like this seems so aggressive. But uh, you know, I, I'd know. be too embarrassed if what what that next song is going to be. <laughs> yeah. uh, that uh, <laughs> says it's your favorite mix, Byron. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> Awesome. Well, maybe we'll leave it there. But Byron, how can people find out more about Chart Development Limited? Please visit our website, chartdevelopment.com. And if you're interested in any of our future projects about Nest in Victoria, please visit, or your rental projects here in Vancouver, please go visit chartdevelopment.com. We'll be happy to discuss anything we do further with anyone. We are more than accessible and here to be, we're an approachable company. So, but no, thank you both of you for having me on the show and for the discussion. It's, uh, I love to discuss real estate, love to discuss chart, 
it's obviously my passion uh, and I'm so proud of what we do and the team, uh, how hard we execute and how much the team here cares. If you, if you run into any of our employees, you will see that they really do care about the, the quality and the homes that we deliver. Right on. Well, thank, thanks again, Byron. And, uh, and uh, yeah, we'll talk to you soon. Excellent. Thank you. So there you have it, folks, our discussion with CEO and president of Chard Development, Byron Chard. Really enjoyed that conversation with Byron, Matt. It's great to have him on the program. Learned a lot about Victoria. That's an exciting market for sure. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing, right? The rents are really attractive there for the prices of new construction right near downtown. I mean, this Nest Project's exciting. Great conversation. You know, the thing I've been thinking about a lot is Byron saying, we make sure our contracts are lined up, all the I's are dotted, all the T's are crossed, but they go in the bottom drawer. Right, right, absolutely. And I love the keeping the trades happy as well because it's funny, like right down to when you start looking at like happy end users or people that you're delivering the product to, you start to think, okay, well, what are they really looking for? And a lot of people like we've had, we've had Bose on the program, of course, Chart is, is another one that they focus on on deficiency counts, right? Like very few deficiencies at the end of the day. And it makes a lot of sense, but it's funny how like Byron and Chard Development want to go right back to just treating people good so they do good work, yeah. right? <laughs> like it's, it's a smart way to do it because, you know, like what you're doing at the beginning, like the end result is a result of how you treat your people. Absolutely. No, it's a it's a great way of doing business, Chard Development. Uh, huge fans here for sure. What else do we have before we go today, Adam? Market seems to have picked up again. Yes. There was a dip. There's there, a slight <laughs> a week or two dip, but man, we are back roaring here. And um, it, it depends on the detached market. I'm, I'm seeing in some, some areas in detached, like instead of 12, 15 offers, there's often like maybe two to four offers. It really, really depends, but I'm seeing condos are just raging it's, now again. No, so. and you know what? And there was a sale last night in, in Grandview that it feels like it's back going gangbusters. So uh, interesting moment in the market for sure. Yeah, Matt, it seems like a lot of people are out and there seems to be a real frenzy, a lot of FOMO in the uh, in the air. It's back. Um, it's, it's back. back. I it's feel busy. Like it's, it, the amazing thing about a market writ large is that suddenly the FOMO disappears like over spring break and Easter, where right. you're like, wait, what What just happened? It feels like there's a slight downtick there yeah. uh, where it was like instead of eight offers, there was three. Right. Um, and then and, and it just rages, collectively rages back. Um, it's always yeah. interesting to see how markets kind of, the feel of the market. But anyway, if you want to see what's going on in a market specifically, there's no better way to do it than to head over to VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. This is our website where all things real estate related live. There's a live wire. This is our weekly newsletter. You get stats before anyone else. You get deal of the month. You get past episodes, opportunities like the Nest development that yep. Chard's launching in Victoria. We have an A kit on that. All of this is at the end and fantastic access. All of this is at the live wire. We also have private client services. Because Matt, if you are not using PCS, you are standing still while the rest of us power walk by. You get sold prices, days on market. You basically get realtor level information at your fingertips. It's free. It's the best way to look for real estate in Vancouver. 
We've tried every search engine out there, really. It's uh, it, it is the best. And they just gave it a huge face. I was going to say, I think it's now called exposure. You're not the only one with Botox <laughs> around here, Matt. This is, uh, it's, it's been revolutionized. Uh, anyways, it's, it's, if you want to talk about PCS or sign up for a free account, head to our website, uh, sign up, and we can set up a tool for you. Other than that, Matt, how can people get in touch with you? 778-847-2854 or matt at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Or you can try me at 778-866-4574 or adam at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. We also got that secret line, info at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Speaking of secret, maybe maybe there's a few more people with Botox. <laughs> or no, is that, what they, is that what they pump in your butt? <laughs> Have a good week, guys. Take care. Two thousand faces for radio. Subscribe today. Hey everyone, pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. We want to take a minute to tell you about Holy House, a nonprofit organization that provides community building programs and tenant support services to low-income seniors, veterans, families, and vulnerable residents in the downtown east side and across the lower mainland. Melissa from our team has been volunteering at Holy House. Melissa, what's been your experience? Honestly, it's been so fulfilling just to spend a few hours a week in the community and watch how the staff really transforms these vulnerable communities from the inside out, starting with just small things, right? Playing games, drinking coffee, having some simple conversations that you wouldn't necessarily think are super fulfilling. And you come out just feeling like you've really made an impact and connected with the community. And you've been to multiple buildings, but you're playing games, drinking coffee. Yeah, you know, serving food sometimes. And you made some friends along the and way. And I've made some friends along the way. It's really helped me be more present, actually, in those moments of just, you know, realizing how simple life can be to make an impact, right? Fantastic. And if you want to learn more, you can definitely check out Jenny Conkin, co-founder of Holy House, who is a past guest fan favorite on the show, or head over to holyhouse.ca where you can donate or volunteer, and they're looking for both donations, and they definitely like volunteers. That's holyhouse.ca. Vancouver needs your help. Be part of the solution. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020. <laughs>